You're listening to Face Off, episode 121, recorded May 16th, 2011. Welcome to Face Off, your face-to-face web technology podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jade Robbins. And I am your other host, Mark Sanborn. In this podcast, we talk about various aspects of web technology, such as web development, social media, and web entrepreneurship. As always, you can get the show notes for this episode by going to faceoffshow.com. All right, Mark, I'm back from Pennsylvania. Uh, it was a great trip. You know, Pennsylvania is really beautiful. Is it? Yeah, there's like trees what? everywhere. Trees everywhere. Yeah, it was lots of people. A lot more people in Montana. I you know this. So here's the funny part. It's State College, PA. Uh, basically, it's one of those. It's a town that is built for the college. It's the whole town circles around that college. It's a huge campus. Uh, they have like the fourth biggest stadium in the world, like capacity wise. <laughs> wow. So I was talking to the cab driver on the way there, and he was like, "Well, basically, the town." Uh, becomes like the third largest city in Pennsylvania on football days because there's like 100,000 people inside the stadium, like 100,000 people outside the stadium, and, and all kinds of other people in town. Crazy. Isn't that nuts? <laughs> they must have some really nice uh, infrastructure and parking lots in order to bus 100,000 people around. I don't know. No, it didn't seem any. The funny part was like it, the town itself didn't seem any more big or bustling than like Bozeman, you know, that's the funny part. It's like huh. the whole town around it, I think is not that big, but just, it just, you know, during the school year, there's a ton of people. And then during football season, there is a ton more people. Cause there's huh. like a lot of hotels. Uh, but apparently like, you know, during on the, you know, football weekends, it is impossible to get a room in the town. <laughs> so did you learn a lot? I did. I did. It was a really great conference, the Penn State Mac Admin Conference. Uh, I learned a lot for work, uh, and I'll be applying it. Not much web technology there. Uh, it was all about system administration. So uh, we definitely need to move uh, into some sort of you know entrepreneurship or, or web conference sometime here in the future. I'm feeling the itch. Maybe there's always some good ideas, though, maybe that can be applied maybe some sysadmin oh, web app ideas or you know it you something. know and i yeah i mean i got them cooking in the back of my head you know i'm thinking nice so you're taking a trip here pretty soon too are you going to a conference no i'm just uh <laughs> i'm going to vegas on thursday and it's just uh you know i with the deal you know with uh, so we have what's called Allegiant air here which is you we can fly to vegas for like 40 dollars mm-hmm. um and it turns out it's cheaper to go to vegas on the weekend than it is to drive up to Missoula or somewhere, you know, <laughs> a town that's a couple hours away. Um, so kind of, you know, our relatives fly in from different places and get together in Vegas and just kind of hang out. Yeah, it seems like it's really easy to find a cheap flight to Vegas, kind of no matter where you are in the country. So it's like a good spot for a, an old Sanborn yeah. family reunion, huh? Yeah, so, I mean, we've been there so many times. The, all that gambling and all that stuff doesn't really phase us. We don't really care about that. It's just a cool place to meet up and there are some cool conferences that go there so you better I'll keep be, my eye open you can be playing some pie gal maybe a little bit <laughs> <laughs> I, I learned from mark that if you're gonna gamble in vegas go do it with uh, go play pie gal <laughs> yeah it's the game where you lose the, the least amount of money <laughs> in the, the allotted time span yeah um but anyways 
Anyways, hey, let's. I want to thank our first sponsor for this episode, which is the little app that we wrote called Agile Task. Agile Task is dead simple task management. Uh, you got your today box and your ice box, and the whole point is you just need to worry about the things you get done today. Put them up in your today box. Uh, if you don't have to worry about them, put them down in the ice box, sort them out later. Uh, it's only two dollars a month. You get a thirty day free trial by going to agiletask.me. Check it out. We love it. Still using it, Sanborn? Yes. Um... I actually noticed today that I have hadn't been using it for a while. I logged in today, and, or maybe it was yesterday, where I kind of looked up some of the things that have been sitting there for a long time. And yeah, it's hard when uh, things get, you know, sometimes things get. As with anything, like you have to have, uh, you have to really dedicate yourself to your system. And um, you know, I mean, I've noticed like lately, I've been letting stuff slip, but I also noticed that stuff has been falling through the cracks, and I haven't been using Agile Task as you know strictly as I used to. Like my boss will give me a job to do or something like that, and I haven't been writing it down, you know. And then all of a sudden, like I've noticed that there's been a couple of things. Like I've had to do a lot more of like the oh yeah, I totally forgot about that it's lately, you know. <laughs> and so yeah, totally. You know, that's when it's like time to refresh up and get back to using. You know, I have tons of things in Agile Task always that I need to do and can never remember anyway. So it's always useful to go back and start looking through your icebox. All right, let's get into our geek tool of the week. So Mark, I had an adventure uh, this past two weeks when I was gone. Um, it must have been two weeks ago or something like that. It rained here in Bozeman. I drove my truck and I turned my headlights on like a good driver, you know, trying to let people know, here's here's my truck. I'm here. Um, so I, you know, when I got to my house, I have an old 96 Ford F-150, so it has no bells and whistles whatsoever. So if I turn the car off and leave, or the truck off and leave the headlights on, it doesn't make any little blinky noise or anything to let me know, like, <laughs> hey, just so you know. Your headlights are on, so uh, didn't drive my truck at all over the weekend, so it sat there with the lights on for three days. Monday morning, I get up to go drive my truck to work, you know, click, click, oh, great, you know, the battery is so dead, it, it's not even, you know, it's not even clicking, really. <laughs> so, I, uh, uh, so I ended up having, you know, all this kind of crazy stuff, like I was parked in a spot, so I had to, like, push my truck out of the spot, and it was, it was really heavy, <laughs> So I pushed it out so that my wife could give me a jump. Uh, you know, it needed some gas because I had it was really low on gas, and I was like, "Oh, Monday, I'll go fill it up with gas." You know, so I jump it and start it, and it's really low on gas. So I'm like, "Well, I want it to run to charge the battery up, so I better go get some gas." Drive it all the way down to the gas station. Didn't even think twice. You know, like what do you do when you get to the, when you're pumping gas? First thing, turn off your car because you're pumping gas, right? Turn it off. Didn't even think. You know, put in some gas in it, go to start it up. It's dead again. You know, hadn't charged enough to turn the engine over. Just great. So my wife drives down. I had to, like, push it out of the gas station, you know, because I didn't want to jump it, like, in the underneath the canopy with, like, gas fumes and stuff. So I push it out, jump it again. So then I drive it home. And this is the day before I leave for Pennsylvania, or the night of, actually, because I was like, I need to really get my truck running so that I don't have a dead battery that will go bad. Um, so then I, I get it and I, I let it run outside of my house for like 20 minutes, you know, and then I shut it off and I go to bed and I fly to Pennsylvania. So I, I come back home the next day and I go to start my truck because my wife and I were going to go somewhere. Click, click, still dead, dead again. Uh, so our geek tool of the week, the problem is, <laughs> I, this is what I've learned is jumping your battery with a car is terrible. It's such a pain. You know, like if you, you know, you have to have either a super duper long jumper cable or you have to get your cars really close and like it's windy and rainy and nasty out usually when this happens. Uh, jumping your battery with, between cars is terrible. And um, like I would get like a, 
a rolling charger that you would plug in, but I don't have any external plugins outside of my house because I'm in an apartment building. So Geek Tool of the Week is the Jump and Carry GNC 300XL 900 peak amp ultra portable 12 volt jump starter. So this is a battery uh, that you charge up, keep it in your truck, and when uh, when you leave your lights off like I did, you don't have to try and pull in another car and make room to you know get your jumper cables. It has two little jumper cables on it. You attach it to your battery, let it charge for a bit, fire it right back up, and then recharge it. And it's also got a little 12-volt adapter thing, too. So if you have some, like a cigarette lighter adapter thing uh, that you need and you don't have an extra adapter slot, you can plug it in there and a flashlight. So it's, you know, super useful. Uh, I've just decided that jumping, you know, between cars is terrible. Like, what a terrible thing it is to, when you have to do that. And you got two hoods open, and you got to remember the order that you have to, like, put one on the, you know, Positive bad battery, positive good battery. You know, it's just terrible. I hate it. Not only that, but this thing has an awesome little flashlight attached to it. So you can uh, set it up and turn that flashlight on and see what you're doing at night uh, if you need to jump your car. Uh, I noticed the item is not for sale in Catalina Island. I thought uh, <laughs> that's kind of a, the weirdest thing I've ever seen, I think, on a, on a yeah. product feature. That's I mean, actually like a feature. It's under product features. Yeah, not for sale in Catalina. Uh, it's almost like, you know, when it's like, well, in the state of California, this chemical is known to blah, blah, blah. It's kind of like this, but completely random. Why can't you sell this in Catalina Island? I don't even know where Catalina Island is. Oh, I think it's in... Is that it's near... It's like an island outside of California, I think, like near LA. I don't remember. It's so like a vacation jump and island. Carry, so is this something you charge up and then have it sitting, sitting around? Yep. Or? Yeah, that's the whole point. Yep. It's a battery-powered one, so you kind of leave it charged up and then put it in your truck or or maybe in your closet just so when you need it or whatever but uh you know i've just decided it's it's miserable jumping uh jumping out a car i hate it and this one has you know 900 peak camps i looked at some it's oh it's cheap too it's only 60 bucks no i mean not cheap cheap in the grand scheme of things but um other things that had less amps were like 130 140 uh and this one has 57 reviews five stars so people who have it love it um, and so for it being, it was one of the cheaper ones, uh, best selling on Amazon. A lot of people haven't love it. I thought it was a good choice. And I think I'm going to, uh, definitely be getting one of these soon because I just realized I don't want to be doing that ever again. <laughs> Should always have at least this or a pair of jumper cables. Uh, you don't want to be stranded somewhere. So well, you know, and if you don't have anything, you should look at getting one. You know what I figured out too, is just buy good jumper cables. I have the cheapest, crappiest jumper cables. They're way short. Uh, they're not very strong. So like to stretch them all the way over the terminal on like one battery, I bent the handle on one because they're not very tough. Uh, and so, you know, if you're not going to get something like this, at least get some really good hardcore jumper cables that are long and really thick cabling so that uh, nothing will happen. You'll be you'll be a lot happier rather than old cheapo Jade trying to trying to wean it out with little tiny dinky cables. <laughs> So check it out, the Jump and Carry JNC 300XL. All right, let's get into our web apps of the week. This first one I think has been around for a while, but I said I kind of want to um, talk about it because uh, I saw an article about it. I'm like, wow, I forgot about how cool of an idea this is. It's called Plastic Jungle. You can go to it by plasticjungle.com. Uh, and the problem is, you know, a lot of times people don't know how to get a gift. They don't know what to give, so they try and do the best they can, so they give you a gift card. And oftentimes, you know, you just, you're thinking in your head, man, I wish you would just give me cash. <laughs> but a lot of people think cash is a rude gift. So what Plastic Jungle does is it's a marketplace for gift cards. And I think basically this, the sort of premise is people like have a 
$60 gift card, right? So people sell it for $50 cash. So if you have $50 cash, but you know you need something at Amazon or something, right? You can go get, for $50, you can get $60, you know, a $60 Amazon card, and then you can buy what you want. And in the end, everyone's happy, right? This person, they have $10 less, but they have actual cash where they can spend it wherever the heck they want. And you're happy because really you have $10 more buying power at the store you knew you were going to spend money at anyways. Um, so I mean, they look like, it looks like they have a lot of cards here and you can even set alerts to be notified when new ones come available. Um, can you trade cards? I'm not sure. So I'm trying to, I'm reading how it works is trade your gift cards for cash, PayPal funds, Amazon gift card, or donate them to charity. So they'll pay you. Oh, apparently they pay you up to 92% of your card. So it's even better than the scenario I gave you. They just buy it. Like, so it looks like they'll buy you like up to 92% of your cards. Probably depends on which store and where you go. Uh, but they'll pay you a percentage of your gift card cash and then they'll sell it so you can buy them. Um, you can save up to up to 35% on whatever card you want to get for where you're going. Hmm. So like, let's say, looks you know, like- you like, you love Best Buy, but you know, your friend got a Best Buy card and really they don't like anything from Best Buy. They like Newegg, you know. Uh, they could sell their Best Buy card for however much this, you know, Plastic Jungle is willing to give them. Uh, and then they could, you know, someone like you could go buy a Best Buy gift card for cheaper than the actual value, face value of the card. The other thing, too, is it's not always easy to get um, gift cards over the Internet. Some some companies, uh, you have to go in and get one. Uh, so this, you know, if you are doing your shopping yep. and you're doing it online, you want to have that convenience of just grabbing one here. Uh, that'd be totally useful. Yeah. Yeah, so check it out, plasticjungle.com. I thought it was a great idea because people really complain about that stuff a lot. You hear, well, you know, you hear people that are like, oh, I got this, you know, this iTunes gift card from my aunt, you know, for Christmas or for graduation. And, you know, like like for me, a gift, an iTunes gift card would be almost worthless. You know, I, I use the Zune. I use the Zune Market or the Zune Market or Zune Pass. I don't really buy music, you know, I just use it as a subscription. So like an iTunes gift would be useless to me, but I could there I could get some cash for it and someone else could get a deal on some iTunes music. Cool. Yeah, pretty cool. Let's check out our next web app, which is called Famous Objects from Classic Movies. You can get it by going to famousobjectsfromclassicmovies.com. Uh, and what this is Oh, I know I know this one. Yeah. So what this is a simple little quiz game where basically they show you a silhouette of an image from a famous movie. Uh, and you can just type the name of the movie and it'll tell you, you know, it's kind of like Hangman. You get a couple tries for wrong letters, you know. So I have a, a bicycle with a basket in the front and only a two-letter movie. Wow, I wonder which one it is. Oh, could it be E.T.? Oh, yeah, I got it. And then you can just keep going and going and try and get your score up high and uh it's, there's some great ones, and there's some really hard ones, too. There's some I had no idea after you get, like, I think 20 deep. This is – at first, I tried to click in the little boxes to type, but it actually – it's like uh, Wheel of Fortune. You type an F, and if there's three Fs in the title, they pop up. Yep. So there's uh, the, the Donut Man from Shrek. Oh, a bowling ball has to be the Big Lebowski. The all right of the rings so you know and it just goes through it's got kind of like these little cartoony silhouette representations of objects that you'll know from a movie and the the thing is if you've watched a movie you're you'll probably get it like they're they're pretty obvious i found um and the ones that i didn't know i just flat out didn't know because i don't watch a lot of like i think a lot of them too are you know sort of classic movies that you know maybe were before my time 
Uh, I'm not like I don't usually don't watch older movies. So um, so someone like our friend Robbie he would do great. He watches a lot of old movies. Ooh, a chainsaw. What could that be? <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So check it out. Uh, it's it's not a very good one to describe in words, but just go to famousobjectsfromclassicmovies.com. Uh, great little website. Fun way to waste some time and see how good you do. Try and beat your friends. Tell us. Uh, send us your high score. Send us uh, that you got in on Face Off, and we'd love to see how uh, which one of our which one of our listeners know the most about classic movies. Uh, all right, so if you have a new uh, news item, a follow-up, or web app you think we should take a look at, or a topic idea, or someone you think we should interview, go to faceoffshow.com slash feedback. We'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, we'd love to get any ideas as you want about what you'd like to talk about on the show. So do that and help us out. Our uh, second sponsor for the show is my very own creation, Rocket Ship It, uh, which is kind of part of our topic today, which is mashing, scraping, and APIs. I take, uh, you know, Rocket Ship It takes the FedEx, UPS, and Stamps.com APIs and creates a, a library for you to use that makes it super easy to create labels, shipping, rates, tracking, things like that. So check that out. Rocket go to it by it. Yeah, rocketship.it. Not rocketship.com. I learned my lesson there. I think I said that wrong for about 12 <laughs> episodes. All right, let's get into our topic markets, mashing, scraping, and APIs. Oh, my. Uh, so, uh, you know, you kind of mentioned uh, a little bit, kind of, but, you know, we hear this this term all the time, like mashups and scraping. What, what do all these mean? What are we doing? Well, so... There's a lot of, let's just start off with the mashups. Uh, you know, we've got, for example, Hipmunk. We talked about that on our show, which is basically a mashup, um, which is just a, where you take data or, yeah, I mean, data from other sites or sources and you make, make it useful. You take something that's otherwise not, not really useful and put a, your own spin on it or, or make something that's actually useful. Hipmunk took uh, hotel data, prices and maps and, um, as well as airline data, and f and made a really nice, easy to use interface, uh, where and they and they they took the data, aggregated it, and and they, for example, they had what was it called the, uh, the aggr uh, <laughs> the pain like yeah, the, the pain rating or yeah, something exactly. Like, so you could you could sort Hipmunk by things like you know uh, I, I think it was pain, which was basically how long. Uh, how earlier uh, uh, a ratio of like how early your flight is plus how many layovers and how long you have uh, the price and all this and they took it from like I I I used Hipmunk when I flew to Pennsylvania uh, and in the end it took me to Orbitz so you know they have hmm. data from Orbitz and and uh, Expedia and several different sources that they take all that data and then they mash it up together into one app that takes that data and makes that data useful as a combined data set. Another example that just got bought out by BlackBerry for a lot of money is Gist, which was a content management, uh, or not content management, customer relation management software. Uh, it would it would pull contacts from things like Gmail, social networks, and kind of yeah. aggregate all that together, and so you could kind of get a good picture of who your customers actually are. Yeah. Um, another one that we just talked about in a previous episode was Open Signal Maps, which took data from your cell phone if you submitted it. Or they, I'm sure they seeded it with some data too that they they had. Um, was you could find the different uh, cellular signals in your area, and then they just basically put it on a Google map, mm -hmm. and 
made it super useful. So you could, you know, if you were traveling somewhere, you could see if they had cellular coverage. Another one uh, is Instalyrics. You can tell a lot of these, you know, sites get their data from other sites or from the similar places because sometimes, like, if there's a spelling mistake or a, a wrong lyric in one lyric site or something, you'll see it on other ones. <laughs> this used to be back in the day with like tablature, guitar tablature. It was it was the same way. Like, you know, yeah. the one tab would propagate it all over everywhere. Um, but Instalyrics just made it. You know, so a lot of these lyric sites just got crazy ridiculous with advertisements and stuff and had them all over the place. Instalyrics took all the data and then made, you know, they took that, uh, the whole Google like instant search as you type the thing, you know, the lyrics kind of pop up and put their own spin on it. Mm-hmm. Another example, uh, would be so, like check-in mania, which was Foursquare. You can see that kind of the deals that are going on on a Google maps yeah. in your area and go walk around and get some deals. So why are we talking about mashup scraping, uh, things like this? Well, first of all, there's uh, there's a there's a lot of, I mean, if you if you're thinking of starting a business or if you you know you want to make a web app, uh, mashing, you know, is is probably the fastest way to make something that's really useful yep, for someone. Totally. You know, you see this with uh, restaurant reviews. Um, you know, and a lot of it's already been done. But um, you know, if you've got a unique idea and and I mean, there's a lot of data that's already available to you. Uh, it's just a matter of making it, you know, putting your own spin on it and making it useful. Yeah. Google, um, Google we're going to give you some examples of successful. I mean, we just gave you a couple of Hipmunk and, and just actually just got bought off for several million dollars. So, yeah, I mean, Google Maps is like the king of the whole mashup thing. It really sort of, I think, was the site that that really took the whole mashup concept and really, you know, propelled it forward because people were making like, Oh, mashups of, you know, here's this restaurant data with Google Maps. You know, before Google Places and stuff, it was the way to, you know, Google Maps had such an easy API that you could just take any other data and and they made it so easy for you to take like an address and translate it to a data point on a map. There was just so many Google Maps mashups uh, when when Google Maps really started picking up steam. Yeah, so so that's kind of how what a mashup is. Basically, we just take this various data from different places. Um, so there's two different, two main ways to get that data. One of them is called scraping, and the other is is APIs. And we'll get to that. But so what scraping is is computers that are basically trying to read data that was intended for an end user. So like a website, HTML, that's made for a browser to display something for a user. Uh, a perfect example, you know, there's a billion dollar scraping business and that's Google. Google, had, you know, goes and, you know, crawls through websites, right. takes the HTML that was normally meant for a user to see, Not it's not made for uh, uh, computers. or I mean, it, HTML kind of is, but... yeah. Uh, it's, it's really not formatted specifically for the bot to parse. Right. Um, another example is InfoChimps, which has made, I mean, a, a huge business based off of it. They actually scrape, they, for an, a, their prime example is they scraped Twitter. They have everything <laughs> you can get from Twitter uh, and they have it all stored. Um, if you're doing, you know, here's another one, a hundred million word British national corpus. If you're looking for commonly used words, they've got uh, data access that you can get to. Um, they have an API called Queerly, which allows you to uh, identify people's uh, identify people based off different social networks. You can identify a person 
on one network and then say to the API, what other networks, what's, what's the screen name for this guy on Facebook, mm-hmm. Twitter, this, 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 and this, and you can actually figure out, you know, and, and some of this becomes a little bit, uh, privacy concerns, copyright, you know, so that's, and that's actually one of the downfalls or the pitfalls of scraping is some of this data, like, you know, Twitter, Twitter's kind of public, but some of it, you, you don't, I guess the user doesn't always expect their data to be shown in certain ways. Right. They, like, they, they expect it to be consumed by human eyes. You know, I have a website. I'm ex- expecting that a human is reading this, looking at it with their eyeballs, not a computer scraping it and storing it on their own database. Yeah. And you, you as a user, you kind of have a certain, um, yeah, expectation of how your data is going to be viewed. Like you, you didn't expect that someone's going to t- that they're going to know who your Facebook and your Twitter and your this and this, and then put t- put it together and, and make a very personal profile of you. Um, but there so is another can, really big pitfall with with scraping, right? Yeah, the other big pitfall with scraping is that they're fragile, and since it's not made for computers. Uh, to give you an example of Twitter, well, Twitter has an API too, but if they, if, if, um, if the site that you're taking the data from switches the way they do things or they, they make some of it private to where you can't see it, um, the scripts that you write can actually break and your data can get all messed up. Mm-hmm. I heard, um, um, there I, are, I'm sorry, uh, but I heard that, uh, so Mint, the, the company that does all the financial mashup, you know, they grab data from your bank, your credit card and mix it up together. Uh, I heard that uh, they, when they first started, the company that they got their data from was just this company whose sole purpose was to scrape data from people's online banking websites. Because banks, the banking uh, website for the longest time, you know, didn't have any sort of API. They didn't want people to have access. They only wanted people to be able to log in and view it. And so a site like, you know, Mint, it was pretty valuable to have sort of a, a clear way to do it. But you're totally right. I mean, there would be times where, you know, it would try and check my bank and it would work for months and all of a sudden break and then work for two days and then break because they changed something in their HTML or something on how it was viewed and that fragile scraping broke. Yeah, Mint's a great example. That's a service that a lot of people like and use. And they're, they, yeah, they started out with uh, scraping. Uh, that's actually one of the main advantages of scraping is you have access to data that's otherwise not available. Right. Um, sure, you have some you know, pitfalls of copyright issues and terms of service stuff and, you know, whether or not a a program should be logging into a bank on your behalf. Um, But, you know, if it's arguably, you know, you can argue that Mint is a very um, valuable service and without scraping it might not have been possible, especially from the beginning when they didn't have these uh, fancy bank backend APIs. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's the other way uh, we can get data is, and it's actually the preferred way is, uh, or actually before I get to that, I almost skipped. Uh, there's <laughs> two main sites that are, are really cool. Uh, one of them is called Scraper Wiki, which uh, actually allows you to create um, create a scraping script that Scraper Wiki will then run. And if it breaks, and it's public, and if it breaks, somebody can actually edit it, fix it, and huh. it's kind of a collaboration of a single scrape um, script. That's cool. So, you know, part of the, re- you know, we, we talked about how they can break and things. If you've got a, um, let's see, one of their popular ones. Uh, if you've got a, oops, 
you know, if you've got an idea where you want to pull something and, you know, other people find this idea useful and they start scraping it, you might have five, 10, or maybe a thousand people actively maintaining your scraping script instead of just having to do it all yourself. Yeah, that's a so great you put up idea. Something. Uh, all, another thing to point out is if, you know, chances are they probably have um, scripts already made for you. So if you want to, uh, you know, if you want to do a visualiza visualization for channel four or... Looks like um, a lot of scraping's done in Python and Ruby, <laughs> according to to this website, because it's like the language that you can get the scraped uh, the data from. You know, they make they'll make a mm -hmm. scraper and they tell you what language it is. I'm seeing a lot of Ruby and Python, and then everyone's all like, "There's like a scattered little PHP, like oh PHP, PHP." <laughs> They're good uh, languages. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Python, Ruby, Very Ruby, Ruby Python. Very good languages for scraping. <laughs> I don't know if that's like um, a badge so of honor, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> true. Uh, so yeah, I mean, if you're looking for um, Dow Jones PE ratio data, there's somebody that wrote a script uh, to scrape it. Yeah, so. very cool. Another one uh, along that same lines we'll just briefly introduce is Junar, J-U-N-A-R. And you can do the same thing, search for GDP, Apple, soccer scores, well, you know, you name it, you can scrape. They have it already there for you. Yeah. Um, so, wow, that's great! Yeah, if you're gonna do the scraping, check it out there first. You you know leverage other people's scripts before you <laughs> absolutely. Waste your time. A lot of these too, they even have like a spot where you can request. So like if you want to request a specific data stream or something like that, you know, uh, you can do that, and someone else can try and help you out. All right, so the next way to get data, which is definitely the more preferred way, is called an API. Um, and this is basically the the difference is that the data or the func you know the operations of the program or source is made available to the computer. I mean, it's yeah. it's made for computers to uh, read through, parse, and interact with. the uh, The three main protocols that are usually used is XML, REST. Uh, we've talked about that before. SOAP, which is just basically XML. Um, and then OAuth, you see this a lot with uh, like Twitter, Facebook, and it's becoming more popular. If you do use somebody else's API and you need to connect with other people's data, you usually don't get their username and password. They give you a token, so that way that user can then um, turn off uh, the availability of their data. OAuth, we've talked about as well before in a previous episode. So go check those out, become familiar with them. Um, anymore, uh, APIs are kind of, I mean, they're, they're a huge part of websites now. Uh, if you want to display a Google map of where your business is, if you want to do, you know, if you want to take payment over your site, you're going to be dealing with an API. Uh, there's, there's, you know, some of the top APIs, we've got Twitter. They basically built their business around and it, the API, mm -hmm. they're the first ones that I can think of that really was, well, I mean, Google Maps was too, but yeah, I, Twitter I, had a, just a ridiculous amount of mashups. Yeah. Yeah. And apps, uh, I mean, their, their, their API made it available for people to make third party, you know, uh, viewers and apps to view the data. Um, Flickr shipping, you know, if you do any shipping on your site, you're going to want to get rates for shipping. Uh, YouTube, Amazon, Facebook, Facebook has like become a developer. I mean, it's become <laughs> a platform basically. Yeah, it's uh, a platform there's all by tons itself. of apps and things that go on there. 
Uh, eBay Twilio is one that I and I put this one on here because it's a, a huge, it's extremely popular, uh, and I think we've talked about this one on the show too. It's an API for doing things like SMS text messages to your customers and, mm-hmm. and things like that. These, uh, you know, the the reason we're talking about APIs is it's a really good way to add a lot of value to your site with uh, not so not very much effort. Yeah, totally. Um. You know, APIs as a, as a strategy for your business. If you've got a site that maybe you you know you think you could offer some some data to your users, uh, Twitter. You know, I think Twitter really took off because of its API. I I would agree uh, totally. Uh, Google Maps. Uh, I think Google Maps would be still popular without it, but I think it's contributed a lot to its usefulness. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's like, it kind of goes both ways, I think, whereas people, if they see all these mashups all the time with, you know, they're done in Google Maps, they're very comfortable with Google Maps. So in general, you know, it, it brings, you know, people, like if you, the truth is, have you ever used like Bing Maps? Mark? I, I haven't. Like I've used MapQuest, but I, they, <laughs> back they, in the day. They feel weird. They feel terrible because... Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about it. It was funny. Uh, I was using Bing Maps, and I was like, oh, I just don't like this. And I was like, well, do I like it? Because I'm just so used to the way Google does it. Like, I've, I was trying to think of, if I just stumbled upon this 10 years ago before I ever touched Google Maps, I would probably think it was just as awesome as Google Maps <laughs> was back in the day. Uh, but I think that's worked for Google. They've had a lot of people use it. They have so many, you know, and, and they they work a lot like by, you know, Google, they make an API because they want to do stuff with that. And then they make mm-hmm. that available to other people as well. And it really makes them a platform for a lot of different things. Yeah, one of the great things about API, uh, you know, making your service available via an API is your users can actually create something that you didn't even think about yeah. and and help further your brand and your service. Uh, Agile Task, for example, has an API. Hey-o. If you know, huh? I said, hey, oh, good, good mention. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. If uh, you know, if if Agile Task doesn't offer a mobile way to view my tasks and I want that functionality, I can create that. You know, you you give the users power to help, you know, create your... Right, or like our, our buddy Tig, he uh, he just wanted to add them via the command line because he spends a lot of time in the command line, so he made a Python script to do it because our API is available. Um, some other successful businesses that created a business just based on an API is, uh, you know, one of them is TweetDeck, which got bought out for, I think it was billions. Ridiculous. By Twitter is just uh, a client that uses the Twitter API mm-hmm. and displays tweets. I mean, another one is uh, Twilio. They actually created an API. So that's also, you know, if you've got something that normally sucks and is really hard to do, but develop, you know, like something that you could make into an API if you're thinking of a business idea or a site to create. Uh, Twilio is a great example of something that took something that was normally terrible and hard to do as a developer and made it super easy and made an API available. Right. Uh, check out Programmable Web, uh, programmableweb.com slash APIs for their sort of API dashboard. You can see all the really good APIs that everyone's using and loves. Or you can go to programmableweb.com slash mashups and see the mashups they have as well too that are using all these different API services on the web. Really cool stuff. One other thing, um, you know, if you're into freelancing and stuff, there's a lot of opportunities for uh, working with these APIs. There's a lot of, you know, companies and things that just they don't want to deal with APIs because they can, you know, there's there's can be a lot of complexity there and a lot of things to look, you know, look, you know, 
have to know in order right. to interact with them. And so, you know, if you're a freelancer looking for some more work, definitely learn some of these APIs, learn about REST, learn about XML and OAuth. Yeah. And then get your name out there. Make some money. All right. That wraps it up for this episode of Face Off. I want to remind you that if you haven't done so, you can subscribe to the show by going to faceoffshow.com slash subscribe. All kinds of different ways to subscribe there. You can also leave feedback by going to faceoffshow.com slash feedback. Send us an email. Shoot us out a tweet or write on our Facebook wall. We love to hear from you guys. Thank you for listening, and we will see you guys next week.